Thank you for joining us today on the journey toward self-mastery. Welcome to our annual Career Day program. So all of our speakers today will share their stories and we will do a Q&A after the first speaker. And then after everyone else goes, we'll do an entire Q&A. So our first speaker is a professional dancer, choreographer, model. Uh, she's danced for A Boogie with The Hoodie, 50 Cent, Snoop Dogg, and many more. Let's welcome Carly Harper. Carly, Carly, how you doing today, Carly? I'm doing well. How are you? I am well. I am well. Good, good. This is so awesome that you put this together. Um, I'm really I'm really excited and I'm grateful for this opportunity to just sprinkle a little bit of Carly magic to, you know, our youth and fellow speakers. You know, I'm all about sharing the good energy with with everybody. So I'm, I'm very excited. I'm grateful that you reached out that uh, I can chat a little bit. Yes, yes. And uh, Carly and I go way back from college days. And and Carly was one of the first people I hit up when we were starting Mastermind because she had a podcast and she gave me the info, the insight. So mastermind wouldn't even be possible without Carly. So go ahead, Carly. <laughs> Stop it. And don't say way back because then that's going to make me feel some type of way about the whole concept of time. Don't say way back in college because now I'm like, oh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> but yes. Um, so I guess like my little spiel is that um, my name is Carly Harper. Um, I'm a Jersey girl, born and raised. So, you know, hashtag the Garden State. That's I support it. Um, and we don't pump our own gas. So, you know, all, I, I love my state. Uh, <laughs> not yet. Not yet. That's coming. Okay. Let's, let's, we'll talk about that another time, but <laughs> I am from Jersey. Um, so in terms of my dance career, I actually was not always a dancer. I started dancing my first time in a studio. I was 15, which is considered kind of like considered late in the dance world. But for me, I was just so passionate about dancing my first dance class. Um, my first ballet class, I was actually auditioning for dance programs in terms of going to college. And um, I was just, like I said, very passionate about like just dancing. And I was, I realized that's something I want to do for the rest of my life. So I told my parents, I want to go to college for dance. And they were like, um, what? I don't think so. And I'm like, listen, I know that I can make this a career. And there's the other avenues in terms of dance, whether it's like teaching dance, opening up a studio. There's definitely, I just always want to be involved with dancing and that's still my goal. I want to be like 95 and still, you know, Fatma, what do you need? How do you do some pirouettes? I'm going to be 95. Check me out in 95. I'll still be dancing. Um, or definitely, de definitely involved with dancing. But I did go to CW Post. I went to Long Island University. And after graduating from there, I auditioned for the Brooklyn Nets dance team. I, um, I remember I auditioned for the Lion King. I was not ready for that, but I did go audition for it. Um, and I started booking a lot of gigs after I was able to go. Um, I did a lot of workshops in New York City. I'm in the city right now. I'm just leaving work. I took a workshop with um, one of Beyonce's choreographers, Dana Foglia. She's an amazing choreographer, an amazing mover. So just meeting people, I was able to start booking professional gigs as a dancer. My first commercial I danced in was for Love Pastry. Um, for any of the other speakers, do you remember like Red Run Orders, Vanessa and Angela Simmons, they had their sneakers, pastry sneakers. Mm -hmm. Yes. 
So I got to, I got a chance to do a commercial for them. It was associated with, so you think you can dance. And I got to keep the sneakers. That was fun. Um, and then, yeah, it was, it honestly just came from networking in terms of really booking. I booked majority of my major gigs that I booked, um, was just from networking and just being myself and taking classes and meeting people. I booked 50 cent the first time I danced with him at the Barclay center. And it was a friend of mine. They needed dancers immediately. It was a Tuesday night and they were, his show was on a Friday. So they were like, we need dancers for an eight hour rehearsal Wednesday, a 10 hour rehearsal on Thursday. And the show was Friday at the Barclay center. And I got a DM off of Instagram from a friend who referred me. And that was, it was very intense to learn that much choreography <laughs> in two days, but um, it was such a great opportunity. And I loved the choreographer I worked with and she ended up booking me a second time. So I got to dance with him again at Madison Square Garden. Um, and that's where I got a chance to dance with Snoop, legendary Snoop Dogg. He's a whole entire vibe um, and Eight Boogie and Trey songs. Um, so I'm just really grateful for the amount of um, opportunities I've had with dance I look forward to more and I honestly just feel like dance sounds like a little cliche but I feel like it's just it's like almost like saved my life in terms of just like my passion my energy my drive in terms of just pushing forward I'm always going to turn to dance you know so I'm really really grateful for the outlet of dance and connecting with people and teaching dance as well and um, I do model as well I'm at my we literally it's our first day at our new office I feel like I let me show you my do you see my little girl over in the corner, my black girl magic over there? So it's, <laughs> it's my first day in the new office. So um, I model and I also work for um, famous talent management. So we also we do development and we manage models as well. So I'm I'm the new I'm their new head coach um, for development. So I coach new models. So I'm like kind of like living my best life. I'm not gonna lie. So uh, <laughs> that's a little bit of a the sprinkle about me. Um, yeah, that's that's my little right. spiel, you know. <laughs> um, Carly is on the run. She's at work right now. So what we'll do right now is if we have any questions for Carly before she dips out on us, um, you can type it in the chat or you can speak it into existence. Jordan, what's up? So you said you work with an agency and I'm someone who wants to get into the entertainment industry as well. What As someone who works in an agency, what do you see as a person that's marketable or how hard was it like really getting into entertainment? Yeah. So I work with a management company. There's a little bit of a difference between an agency and a management company. So agencies, they really look, look for, especially with models, they look for people that are already like the full package. They're ready to go in terms of going out to a casting tomorrow and book, you know, a major commercial or, you know, runway show with somebody in regards to management, which is where I work. We have, we are a management company. We also can take people on in terms of signing them directly and then send them out on castings. But we also have the opportunity to develop models, meaning that we're able to kind of like teach classes almost, you know what I mean? To really like mold them and get them to where they need to be so that they can go out on castings. So in regards to what we do and what I do in particular as, a, as the head coach um, here, I do, um, we do like runway, we do uh, photo posing. So understanding, like even like understanding where your light is, understanding product placement, how to put your hands in a, in a picture um, when you're taking a picture in photo shoots and stuff like that. Um, we also do industry training so that you know the behind the scenes and almost like the business aspect of being a model. In terms of getting started, you do wanna do some research prior to going somewhere, make sure that it makes sense for you. Um, and it's never, you're never too young to start, you know what I mean, in terms of modeling or getting into the entertainment industry, but you really, you want to make sure that you have 
parental and or like legal guardianship, like in terms of taking every single step with you, you can't just do it alone unless you're 18 and older. So just keep that in mind, but really just do your research and see if it's something that makes sense for you um, and jump right in. If you're a dancer, if you're interested in modeling, if you're interested in acting, anything like that, I recommend, like I said, just doing your research first because there are a lot of great companies out there in regards to management. Um, I'm gonna I'm gonna toot my own horn in terms of where I work, but we are actually gonna be starting a youth development here um, with famous talent management soon. So that's something I can always give Mr. G um, information um, like separately that he can share, I'm sure with, with, with you guys too, if you're interested in anything like that. All right, thank you for that, Jordan. I have a question, uh, Carly. What advice yeah. would you give to, you know, people that, that wanna pursue dancing? Cause I know like, now it's kind of like, should you go to college to pursue it? Or is it something that I can just develop on my own and kind of do? So what advice would you give to people that want to be dancers professionally and are not sure what route to take? Yeah, in terms of the professional dance world, um, there's no one right way to go about it, to be honest. Um, and to be like a thousand percent honest, you don't necessarily have to have a degree in dance to become a professional dancer. Um, one of my dance professors from college, um, my ballet professor, he was a principal dancer for Alvin Ailey and his first, listen to this, his first time ever taking a dance class, he was 21 years old. And then he became a principal, you know what I mean? So it's never too late. And that's why I'm saying that in quotations, it's never too late. And it doesn't necessarily mean that you have to go quote unquote, a traditional route and like be like, you know, taking classes since you were two years old. Like I said, my first dance class, I was 15. I, I was not a dancer my whole entire life. So in terms of someone who's interested in terms of pursuing a dance career, it does take a lot. I'm not going to lie. It takes a lot physically um, and just also mentally because it's such a competitive field. So sometimes when you go to auditions, you're going to hear no. You're going to hear the answer. No, no, you're too short. You're too tall. You're too, you know what I mean? So sometimes there's typecasting with that. Um, so you do have to kind of have that mental, like toughness in terms of really pursuing it. I don't want to say you have to be crazy because, you know, oh, I mean, I'm crazy, but it's <laughs> not in a bad way, like very crazy. Um, but in terms of, of taking the first steps, don't be afraid to go out there and even just taking classes, like literally like go take class. Like I said, my first ballet class, I was 17. And I did not know ballet terminology and I was auditioning for things, but you got to put yourself out there and take it seriously in terms of like what, if that's what something you want to do as a dancer, um, be inspired by other people. I know TikTok is huge and everything like that. If you see a TikTok dance and you're inspired by it, like remix it, do it yourself, do it in a unique way. Like, I don't know, like so much creative, creative people out there, especially on the internet and social media, but um, I recommend taking classes so that you become a little bit more well-rounded as a dancer. Um, so if you only do hip hop, that's great, but challenge yourself, try taking a jazz class, try taking a ballet class, push yourself so that you can become a well-rounded dancer. I think that for me personally, that was one of my strong suits that I wasn't just a hip hop dancer. I was able to do, I do other techniques. So in terms of like being marketable and I, I have a lot of, um, diversity in terms of my training. So um, be open-minded, take classes. It's okay if you hear no, you know, there's going to be that one yes that gets you in that door and just, you're going to be recommended for other things. The most important thing that I recommend to anybody, whether if you want to pursue dance, if you want to become a teacher, if you want to become the president, whatever you want to do, always be yourself. That's like the best advice that I can give to anybody and peers included, just always be yourself in any situation. 
don't change yourself in terms of like the environment that you're in because that goes such a long way just being yourself and being true to true to who you are so all right thank you for that carly all right um i know you gotta go so you could leave us with uh your information like for anybody that wants to hit you up maybe some advice or just anything else and then i know my students want to know definitely how it was dancing for a boogie with the hoodie you know? Do you want me to just share a really quick story about a boogie? First of all, yeah. okay, <laughs> say it really quick. Okay, and I'll put my I'll put like my email. A boogie. Um, so I danced with him at uh, Madison Square Garden. So it was for the show Power. Um, it was the sixth season. It was the season premiere. So the Fifty Cent put on like a free concert at the Garden. So it was multiple dancers that we just got a chance. Some of us got a chance to dance with certain artists. So we did the remix to that to that theme song, um, Big Rich Town. So it was like the re which no one liked everyone like the feedback about it, everyone's like this is trash like nobody liked the song but it was trey songs a <laughs> and 50 and like no one liked it but that's not the point point is i still got paid and we still got to dance so a boogie during during our tech rehearsal for those types of shows you're there all day you're there at like 9 a.m you have to you have to run through the, the numbers and like make sure like the formations make sense and the artists and stuff like that so a boogie during tech rehearsal he was a little late, I'm not gonna lie. So we had to go back like a few hours later and do it again. So he came in and I don't know if he was distracted because all of the dancers were just so gorgeous. He he turned around mid-practice. He had his mic in his hand, he turned around. He's like, y'all are so pretty. And we're like, ha And that was like, that was like my interaction with A Boogie. Like he was very nice. He had a very nice smile and he complimented all of us in terms of our energy and our and our gorgeousness. And that was my interaction. He was really cool though, honestly. But he's like, y'all are so pretty. And in my head, I was like, I need you to focus, sir, because I want to get this discord. <laughs> but he was really fun. He was like really nice. So it was, it was cool. It was fun. Dope, dope, dope. All yeah. right, Carly, feel free to hang out with us. Um, you know, you don't got to go, but if you got to go, we will see you. Thank you so much, Carly, for coming through and you know chatting with us about the work that you do. And uh, listeners or anybody that's on, definitely you know, take down Carly's information for listeners listening in is Carly Harper 28, eight, sorry, Carly Harper 828 at gmail.com. And Harper is spelled H-A-R-P-E-R 828. And Carly doesn't talk about this, but I like to brag about it. Carly oh. is the daughter of oh. Jets Hall of Famer, kick returner, record holder, Bruce Harper, I believe, right? That's your dad's name, Carly? My dad's yes, name. yes, got it right. Fireman Ed wears your dad's jersey. Interesting. Um, but thank you for coming through, Carly. And you can stick around if you want. All right. Thank you. Thank you guys so, so much. I got to run, but pleasure seeing everybody. And Good I seeing you, Carly. Thank you. The rest of the speakers just shed your light. I'm so happy that we're able to do this. Amazing. <laughs> All righty. Thank you, Carly. All right. So next on. We have what I like to call super entrepreneurs. I don't know if we have both or one today, um, but they teamed together with 19 Black families and purchased 502 acres of land in Georgia, where they are currently building a pro-Black space, community, everything. Um, so one is an investor and the other is a real estate agent. So we're going to welcome uh, Miss Ashley Scott and Renee Walters. Ashley, how are we doing? Are you with us? I'm here. Good afternoon. Good 
afternoon, everybody. Good evening, good morning, wherever you are in the world. It's always a pleasure when I have the opportunity to share my story. I am a real estate agent and a real estate developer. So what that means is I help people to build, well, what that means is I'm building homes and I help people to get into their homes. I also help people sell their homes and I help people who want to build commercial development or rent commercial spaces. So real estate, everybody lives in a home. You're either an owner or you're a renter. Either way, that income is making someone wealthy. It could be you, it could be your landlord or it could be the bank. But in any case, real estate has made the most millionaires than any other industry. So what I would like to tell you is my trajectory. So I started out in the marketing. I graduated from Bennett College for Women in Greensboro, North Carolina. And I graduated in 2008 with a degree in psychology. I have a bachelor's degree. So we are currently, uh, I, after I graduated college, I moved to Atlanta and I started my career in marketing and that has served me very well in my real estate business. When I graduated in 2008, it was in the height of the recession. We had just had what was known as the Great Recession, where a lot of people actually lost their homes and, and those who were financially astute actually purchased a lot of those foreclosures and were able to create wealth for themselves. So real estate is really an opportunity to do that. And I went from marketing to going into real estate because I saw an opportunity for myself and for my family to begin um, creating generational wealth. And then I helped to bring these other 19 Black families together to build a community called Freedom Georgia here in Georgia, where we own 502 acres of land. And the purpose of that really is to begin to create generational wealth and to champion ownership. When it comes to being Black Americans, one of the reasons why there's such a big wealth gap is because of lack of land ownership and lack of business ownership and lack of real estate ownership. And so my whole platform is about encouraging and inspiring as many people as possible, particularly Black Americans, to get involved in the real estate game, to become a homeowner, to become landowners, and to understand that you can be a real estate developer in the long term as well. If there's something that you want to do, it's possible when you have the right mindset, okay? Okay, so I'm going to go ahead and be quiet if there's questions. <laughs> All right, uh, Ashley, do you have time to hang out with us or are you on the run? I've got a probably? few minutes because we, we're actually getting ready for dinner, so. <laughs> All right, I got you. All right, so we'll take questions now for Ashley. If you guys have questions now, um, feel free. You can uh, type in your question or you can go with the flow and just speak it into existence. I know I'm not a student, but I do want to ask you, Ashley, when do you guys um, project that you'll be done this, this building out this space? You know, how long can you kind of go through that process? I'm very interested to know. Yeah. So there's a five phases of development. 
And we expect to be completely finished with every phase within uh, the next 10 years. So by 2033, we will have built 225 single family homes. We will have a mixed use residential development that includes retail shops and senior living facilities for those who want to age in place and a luxury golf home community. So there will be Airbnbs available and a big farm. I forgot the farm, but the farm is a big part of our plans as well. Um, so the farm comes first because our entire project is around food sovereignty, right? And so by building the farm first, we're working with the Farmers Service Agency and the National Conservation Resources Services and all these government agencies who are um, whose mission is to ensure that um, farmers and Black families are getting the opportunity to um, build out their land and to farm for ourselves and our community. So that's what we're doing. It'll be at least at minimum of 10 years. It may be longer because we do anticipate purchasing additional acreage. And so as we build, buy more land, the project scope continues to expand. All right, thank you for that. Ashley, um, and by the way, uh, you have like support from people, you know, black folks and other folks all over the world. Um, I didn't mention that, but that is a huge part of it too. Um, we have a question from one of our youngins. Uh, they want to know: Would it be a good time right now to buy a home? If every time is a good time to buy a home because the longer you wait, the pro the property value values appreciate over time. So a lot of people are always like, oh, it's a seller's market. And while that is true, if it's a seller's market today and you buy a property and it appreciates over the next 10 years, you are going to get that equity. So you don't want to wait and you never want to delay. If you're approved to buy a property, you want to buy it now. Thank you for that. Next one is is real estate a competitive business? Super competitive. <laughs> so when you decide to get into real estate industry, you have to remember that you're competing with thousands of other agents in your market, not just the people who are in other cities and states that can send referrals to other people, but just in your market, your local market, there are hundreds, if not thousands of other real estate agents, and you have to stand out. And the best way to do that is by building your book of business, by educating people about what the real estate industry can do for them. So it's super competitive, but it's a great business to get into if you're a young person. You can get a real estate license at 18 years old. And so if you get that real estate license early, one of the things about the real estate business is the longer you have your license, the more money you make. Licensing and just being a realtor and building a book of business takes time. So if you become a realtor at 18 and you begin to build your business, by the time you turn 28 and you have 10 years in the game, you'll be a million dollar agent. But if you wait until you're 28, you're 35 to get started, you're way late in the game. 
So yes, this is a competitive market, but time is the thing that gets you paid. The longer you're in the business, the more experience you have. That 10-year agent is busting down thousands of dollars where the first-year agent isn't. So if you can get started today, and it's a very low cost, very low entry uh, barrier to entry, right? You can get a real estate license with $1,000. You pay your classes, you get your textbook, you take your tests, you join a brokerage, and you are literally in business and starting a career as early as 18 that can be very profitable. And it's not just working for someone at 18, you would be your own boss. Even though you work with another brokerage, we're all independent agents. So it's a really good business to get in, especially if you're young and you're hungry. Okay. All right. Thank you for that last one here. Was there anything you wish you knew before starting your real estate journey? That it takes time. If I had have gotten my real estate license at 28 versus 32, I'd be well into the business of building my business because everybody, nobody buys um, immediately, but everybody buys eventually. So if the people in your pipeline, when you meet them, they're not quite ready two years from now, after they've got their W-2, after they've saved some money in the bank, they are then ready to buy a house. So the longer you are in business, the longer you are in business, the more leads that you can nurture over time so that you can begin to increase your paycheck. So I wish I had known that sooner rather than later, because then I would have been already putting leads in my pipeline that would be paying off today versus two, three, four years from now, because they're in the process of getting prepared. So while you're getting prepared, all of the people who might want to buy a house, they've got to get prepared too. So you can be working together to make sure all of those clients are getting prepared and that they trust, know, and like you and want to end up using you as their real estate agent. Mm-hmm. Thank you so much for that, Ashley. Um, I know, you know, you got to get going, but uh, before you go, and we got Renee here, Renee might have a few words, your partner in a second, but uh, before we go, uh, you go, Ashley, can you leave anybody that wants to know uh, your information where they can possibly hit you up for some more information? So yes, if you want to follow me on Instagram, you can slide in my DMs. I'm Ashley Scott KW, and I'm going to drop it here in the chat for you all to follow me. And you can also schedule a time on my calendar um, to talk with me as well. I do strategic partnerships if you are ready to buy a house because you can buy a house at 18. So there's nothing holding you back. When you're ready to get started, hit me up, okay? And then my email address is ashleyscott at kw.com. I appreciate that. And uh, the Instagram for listeners is at Ashley Scott, KW. Scott is S-C-O-T-T, K-W. All right. Thank you for that, Ashley. We have your partner in crime here, partner in grind, I should say, uh, Renee. Um, Renee, do you want to share some with us? Uh, Ashley told us about, you know, the work that you guys are doing, but 
if you can tell us about, you know, your part and how you got into everything. Oh, wow. Well, I've always been um, business minded. I was a retail manager for about 15, for, well, I don't want to say 15, for about 10 years. I did retail management and I had an accident that um, kind of stopped that career short. I fell out of an attic and I was paralyzed for maybe like almost a year. I had to go through um, therapy to learn how to walk all over again, to learn how to pretty much do everything, drive, walk upstairs, walk downstairs, like pretty much everything. So my retail career was kind of over and that was pretty much all I was doing at the time. So I ended up going back to school. I went to school for neuromuscular therapy. First, I went to school for communications and um, early childhood education. And I saw how all the, this is right when uh, students used to go viral for shooting, for fighting their teachers online. And I was like, yeah, I can't do this. So I ended up changing my major because I look really young. Like I'm almost 40, but you would never tell. And I'm like, I can't go to, I can't be in nobody's classroom fighting these students. So this is not the career for me. And I just ended up going for communications. And then I also went for neuromuscular therapy because I know I wanted to do um, something that would make me feel good and something that would make other people feel good, like people that was paralyzed and just different things like that. I know I wanted to work back, work with them and give back in some capacity. And then that was short-lived this too. So always make sure you have a backup plan to a backup plan to a backup plan, because unfortunately I never got a chance to practice um, neuromuscular therapy because I had a daughter and um, she had a birth injury during delivery. Oh, thank you. Um, I got it from wet still, I believe. Um, we had, she had an injury during birth and she has a brain injury. So I had to stay home and take care of her. So I wasn't able to practice. And then when this land thing came around, um, I was the one that found the, the post that went viral. And I told Ashley about it and we ended up going together to look at it and like, Hey, we can do this. And so now I felt like I was starting a different type of career, something that I had never had my hands on because I'm not a land developer. I don't know nothing about land. I don't even know how to farm or anything, but I have a business mind. I have um, management skills. And just so I took those things that I had in my previous jobs to work with this with our group of friends. So everybody brings something different to the table. I'm more of like the creative strategist where I think of different ideas and different things that we can do for our collective. And so that's kind of my role that I play um, I also get a feel of the people that we want to work with, decide if we should work with them or not. So I also do that as well. Um, I have a bakery. My husband and I have an entertainment company. Um, so I'm just a serial entrepreneur where um, I just used all the talents and tools that I had growing up and just put it to our business. Um, my husband, DJ, I host. So we throw all type of crazy parties and just give people vibes and experiences. So I'm more like the fun friend of Ashley's that be doing like a little bit of this and a little bit of that and still have fun while I'm doing it. But to you guys, I do have a daughter around y'all age. Uh, I have a 15 year old and I have a, she'll be 20 in May. And I always just try to tell them to um, make sure you just keep your head on straight. I know it's a lot of peer pressure that you may go through in school and just different. You may have friends that's doing different things and you want to involve yourself with them, but just make sure you keep a, a good head on your shoulder, listen to your parents, um, making sure that you listen in school, do your work. Um, I just asked my son last week, what did he want to do for school? Like, what did he want to go to school and do um, in college? He's like, Ma, I don't know yet. Like, I don't know. I'm still trying to figure it out. And 
I see that a lot with teens these days where they're just out here still trying to figure it out, don't know what they want because it's just so much you see on social media that you can that you don't really have to work hard, that things should just happen. But that's just not how it is all the time. Like I don't want you to look to social media and see that all these things like, oh, I ain't gotta go to college, I ain't gotta do this. I could be me an Instagram model, I could be a rapper, I could do this. It's good to have a backup plan to a backup plan to a backup plan. And I didn't have those things. So I encourage my um, kids and I want to encourage you guys to just definitely make sure that you guys know what you want to do. And it may take time trying to figure out what you want to do in life, but just know um, that you can do it. Like whatever you put your mind to, don't let your friends tell you like, oh, you can't do this. You can't do that. Like if you know that is something that you want to do, just work hard towards it and it'll happen for you. Thank you for that, Renee. Man, I'm I'm inspired listening in, man. Um, Renee, do you have time to hang around for questions or? Uh, yes, I'm here. Oh, yeah, yeah. All right, great. All right, so we'll save Renee for questions at the end. Um, somebody said you are strong women. Oh, thank you, Renee. Antonia. <laughs> All right. Um, so listen, guys in. Um, we can ask questions all at the end, so we'll get everybody at the same time. <clears throat> all right, our next speaker is an accountant by day and a goal setting slash life coach by night. She can teach you how to use your money and how to accomplish your goals at the same time. She teaches everyone from middle school age to adults to set goals and accomplish what they want in life. Let's welcome Diamonic Napoleon. D, how we doing? Hello, everyone. <laughs> Thank you, Mr. G, for having me here. Thanks, everybody, for, for the time and for showing up. Um, I think things like this are very important for our community, for your growth, for, for our growth as well. So very, very glad to be here. And yeah, let, let's get going. <laughs> All right. So the way we've been doing it, uh, D, is just everybody's been sharing like their experiences, how they got to kind of where they are. I guess like a mini mastermind episode, like a you know yeah. how they got to where they are and some of the lessons along the way and a, kind of an explanation of what they do now. Um, so, man, I know your story is powerful. Uh -huh. Listeners that listening to your episode be hitting me up like, yo, D, <laughs> you know what I mean? So uh, definitely uh, share with us, you know, some of your experiences, some of the difficulties along the way and uh, kind of explaining what an accountant is and what you do now and everything. Awesome. Um, loved hearing everything from all of the, the previous speakers, by the way. Um, you guys are very encouraging already. So um, I'm probably going to say a lot of similar things. And so for me, by date, like you said, I'm an accountant. Um, I currently I lead two accounting departments in a university in D.C. Um, I am, they call it a senior director. I'm not big on titles. I run two teams um, and I basically do the leadership. So I, I started out, I've always known I wanted to do accounting since 11th, since 12th grade. Um, and so I know Renee said, sometimes you just don't know and it takes you a while. And that is so true for a lot of people. Um, what I liked about it in the 12th grade is I, it was a class I had to take because I didn't have any more maths. I was done and the I couldn't get my books to balance. So it was more the adrenal, adrenaline rush of trying to figure out why my numbers won't tie 
and how do I get this fixed? And, and like, you know, that aha moment when something doesn't work and then all of a sudden it does, I had that. And at that point, I realized like, this is what I want to do, period. Um, and so I, I went to, I graduated high school. I went to college. I started in accounting and then my life took a little turn. I, <laughs> I had a daughter instead of finishing school. And so I had to be mom and a single mom and go to work and still try to figure out how to go to school. Um, and and it, was, it was great. It was great growth for me. Um, and yeah, it was a challenge, but it was great growth for me. So I eventually finished in getting my bachelor's degree in accounting. I'm from Louisiana. So during that time, I moved, I left home, I moved to Texas, I worked for a few a large um, government contractors like Keith Martin, I, I worked with them, and then I worked with DynCorp International doing accounting for them. And my career kind of took off when I went to DynCorp um, in accounting, and that's because they kind of let me do my own thing. Um, and so in accounting, you, you, and I don't know if you guys have seen it because you're a lot younger, but you know, people think accounting is boring. It's just a lot of number crunching and, and somebody sitting in front of a computer or as they used to call it bean counting. Um, but it's not boring at all. It's a lot of analysis, a lot of thinking, a lot of trying to problem solve and figure things out. And, um, so for me at a company that allowed me to do that on my own terms at my own time, it worked. I was never a person that could, could show up at a job at eight o'clock on time. Like I wasn't good at that. Um, but if you let me show up between nine and nine thirty, that would work for me. And so I really excelled at DynCorp because they didn't try to pigeonhole me. Like, here's your job, get it done. And we're great. Um, and so from there, I moved to DC and took on more accounting positions, moved into leadership, moved into management, started managing people, um, and just continued to grow in the field. I started teaching, started training people, developing employees, um, and helping them to understand the accounting world, the strategy behind it, um, analysis, trying to problem solve and figure things out and really understand that it's more, it's more than just numbers, it's also people. Um, and so I, I, I've taken that actually throughout and like, like Mr. G said, life coaching. So I, that kind of led to strategy, problem solving, right? Because I was doing it all day with everything. And so when a friend would come and say, hey, I have this issue, then I would work with them on, okay, well, let's, let's look at it. Let's figure out how to get through this. Let's, let's look at what your options are, what your hindrances are, and let's work through that. Um, and I noticed that I had been doing that like all my life. Um, and all of the things that I learned when getting my bachelor's degree in accounting, later getting my master's degree in accounting, the things that I had been applying for all of these other individuals, all of these other companies um, in building a career, I then used those things to build my coaching business. Um, and coaching is a lot of leadership. Really, it is. It's it's helping people see where they want to go and helping them get there, not necessarily giving them the answer, but helping them discover the answer that's already there for them. And so I had been doing it for so many years, it, it just came very natural. 
um, goal setting. I'd been doing it all my life, not really knowing that as well. I, when I was younger, I danced uh, um, and I just set goals like, I want to do this. So this is how I'm going to map it out. I want to do this. And so I was, I was kind of that kid, even though my life was life because life will be life. <laughs> so the kid came and I didn't expect it or, you know, I, I wanted this job, but I didn't get it. So I had to wait and got another one or I got laid off and I had to figure out, okay, now how do I bounce back from this? Or what do I do from that? Um, it's life. And, and in the process, just figuring out how to get there, how to get to where I wanna be, I developed a process that worked for me for goal setting and as I got older in my career and had more time to actually sit down and establish a business, I used all of those tools to create a business that, that allows other people to see what they want, see where they wanna be um, and strategically map out a plan to get there, not by happenstance. A lot of what we do in life, a lot of what happens to you, well, happens for you, to you, <laughs> Um, it does happen automatically anyway, but for the parts that you can control, and it's just those parts, we want to be strategic about those. Um, so accounting, life coaching, goal setting, I do just about everything right now. Um, serial entrepreneur, absolutely. I love developing um, planners, books, um, I write I create how to, so how to get past this part in life, how to get unstuck, how to, um, just different things that people, you know, things that we deal with where I've had to go through it and come out on the other end. I kind of go through it as I'm going through it, document it, see what works, what has helped me, what has helped others when they ask questions or when they're going through, and then kind of put together a, a step-by-step, -step, let's do this, let's do that, and then write it out. So I do a lot of that. Um, I'm looking into starting a paper company because I really love planners and tablets. And I know we have the internet and computers, but paper and pen are not going away. They're necessary. So um, yeah, I just, I, jack of all trades, yes, technology. I work with people to set up their businesses. Um, I work with them to set up their brands, but looking at colors, brand kits, websites, all things that I've learned throughout just my career in general, just different places, picking up little things from different people, learning different things. Um, but accounting is definitely at the core of it. Leadership is definitely um, a huge part of my life. And I can honestly say I would not be here without God. So <laughs> that's that's me. All right. Thank you for that, D. I think you forgot to mention interior decorating and design because I know I do. I point. design. The background <laughs> is on point, just saying that. <laughs> yeah, well, thank you. I do. I design too. But quite honestly, my daughter just graduated with her architecture degree. So I am passing that torch to her. She <laughs> she designs now. Dope, dope, dope. All right. Do you have time to stick around with us uh, for questions? Yeah, I'm here. Awesome, awesome, awesome. <clears throat> Listeners, specifically my students, y'all better have some questions. Y'all better be taking notes and there better be a whole ton of questions at the end. All right. Our next, last but not least, all right, next speaker was voted most likely to be famous in high school. And now... She's the director or producer of many of our favorite reality TV shows like Lego Masters, 
Extreme Makeover Home Edition, The Vet Life, Next Level Chef, and To Catch a Beautician. Let's welcome former college homie, Antonia Green. Antonia, how you doing, man? Hi, Pascal. You know how to intro somebody. That's for sure, child. <laughs> you got the list ready. I appreciate it. Thank you. Well-deserved, <laughs> well-deserved. Thank you. I don't know if I'm famous, but I've been very, very blessed, very fortunate to work around famous people, and that's enough, so I'm good. <laughs> um, but thank you so much for this opportunity. I'm super happy to be back on your podcast and speaking to the young future kings and queens, whatever they want to do, they're going to do it well. Um, but yeah, just a little bit about myself. I uh, I grew up um, on the East Coast. I'm from Pennsylvania, outside the Philadelphia area. Um, and just at a young age, I always knew I wanted to be in entertainment and television in some form or fashion. I didn't know if it was going to be through acting or if I was going to be a reporter or an anchor for news. Like it just all, I wasn't sure what I wanted to do. So as I kind of just ventured and did different things, I think college is kind of where I realized that, you know, maybe behind the camera is where I'm good at. Maybe that's more of my forte. So uh, Pascal and Mr. G, excuse me, I don't give your whole government, but Mr. G might remember me because I used to always be at the TV station doing my own little thing with the shows and all that, those different things. I had my own little talk show in college. And, you know, I thought I was like, okay, I'm doing this. I got this. As soon as I get, as soon as I graduate college, it's, it's a wrap. Like I'm taking over. And then reality hits and you're like, wow, college really is over and real life has begun. So it's, uh, it's, it's, it's real. And I don't think anything really prepares you uh, once you do leave that kind of bubble of college, right? And you just have to go through certain things to get where you want to be. You're not going to avoid um, hardships. It's just not something that is realistic. You are going to, you know, you're going to face challenges, rejection, all type of closed doors, but that's part of the process. And you have to remember everything that your parents taught you, the foundation, the mentors, the leaders that you've had in your life. Remember those people and the advice they've given you because that's the type of stuff that's going to get you through. And um, like these that like God is the only thing that really will get you through a lot of hardship. You really need that relationship and that connection. But uh, to circle back, I've been in television now for about 11 years fully. Um, I started off in Philly at a, uh, a production company where we did a bunch of reality shows. So my specialty primarily is reality shows. That's kind of the, uh, the category I chose and that I've run with. And it's it's been a very interesting path. I've lived in different states. I've worked on a lot of different types of shows. Um, and I've just been very blessed. And so I started at a production company, like I said, in Philly. I did a show called Tanked for Animal Planet. Um, I did a lot of stuff for Food Network, um, some stuff for A&E, and like I said, Animal Planet. Um, and then I was a, I started, was producing for a while. I did a show called The Vet Life, which actually featured um, these three Black veterinarians who um, were for graduated from Tuskegee University, and um, we followed them at their vet hospital in Houston. And it was probably one of the best two years of my life because I got to live in Houston and I got to work around a bunch of different animals. And we had some crazy stuff on that show. <laughs> I wish I had like time to tell y'all some of the things that I experienced. Like I remember one, we got to like see like surgeries and different things. I remember one, one crazy story that happened on the show, this dog came in 
and its stomach was kind of big and the owner didn't know what was going on because the dog couldn't eat anything or drink anything. And so the doctors were like, well, did you see him eat anything strange? And they didn't, you know, the owners didn't know. So they took an x-ray and they saw there was just a bunch of stuff in his stomach, they couldn't figure it out. So they put the dog under anesthesia and when they started the surgery, they started pulling out couch stuffing. The dog had eaten a whole couch cushion, a whole couch cushion. So you're just watching all this couch cushion come out of this dog's stomach. So it was like stuff like that in real time that we got to see and face and be around. And it was wild. I was chased by a bull one episode. Like it was a lot, but I survived. So that was my adventure on the vet life. Um, so it was two years I could handle that. And then um, I had an opportunity. I was working on the MTV project and I had an opportunity to uh, come to LA, which is actually where I live now. Um, and it was for a show called Extreme Makeover Home Edition. And I don't know how many of the younger audience remembers that show. You guys probably, a lot of y'all probably weren't even born when the first Extreme Makeover came out, but it came back. And so what we did was as uh, a show that centers around helping people who are in need um, that have really beautiful stories, but just needed that extra help and building brand new houses for them to live in and start kind of their life over again, no matter what uh, the trial was. So it was a beautiful show. I probably cried every single episode because we got to watch the family react to the fact that they were just given something that they really truly deserve, you know, and it was a gift that we were able to give. So that was a beautiful show. Um, I'm trying to move as quickly as I can, Pascal. I know you said we have five to 10 minutes. I'm trying. Um, and you got then, it, you got it. keep going. <laughs> want to roll. I tried to practice. I'm like, I can't practice. But okay. <laughs> so then we, um, then I worked on a show called Lego Masters, uh, which is really, really fun. Um, we got to watch people around the world who build Lego pieces and we put them in a competition in, a te- in teams. And I was a producer on that. And it was just, it was a fun show. It was like probably my first big stage show. And um, just got, like I said, to see these man- fantastic artists build out of Lego and make their own statues. So that that show was on uh, the Fox Network. And then I did a show called To Catch a Beautician with Tamar Braxton, which is what he um, is, is talking about. And I was a I worked more in the editorial side of that. Um, and people that had botched hair jobs or their hair got messed up, they had a chance to confront the hairstylist and make them do it over again. So that was a lot of fun. That was on VH1 for a little bit. Um, and what's crazy is. There's, there's a saying that like, if you want to make God laugh, you tell him about your plans. You tell him your plans, right? So my whole trajectory in life was I'm going to be a producer. I'm going to move up the ranks of being a producer to the point where I'm running the entire show. And um, I thought that's what I was going to do. And then I got an opportunity to move to the studio side of television. So I work now at a company, a studio called Fox Alternative Entertainment. We are the official studio that produces primarily a lot of Fox Network reality shows. And uh, the Lord blessed me to move over to being a studio executive. So with that new role, what that entails is you kind of get to do Basically, you're in a decision-making process. And this is something that I really want to stress to any of you listening. Like, if you have ideas creatively, and I know a lot of people want to be on camera. A lot of people want to be on camera. They want to be famous. They want to be seen. But the real power is behind it. The real power is being able to make the decisions of what is going to be seen. And there's not, there's no wrong or right way to do this type of thing. But it, there is power to be at a table where you creatively are deciding what's going to be shown, what people are going to digest, what kind of formats you're going to play by, 
who your talent, your celebrities are going to be on the show. You're deciding who's being casted for a show. You're deciding, you know, you're learning about budgets and money and how we're spending our money and getting all that stuff approved. And then, um, and then actually being there on our show. So I get to manage and oversee our shows. I'm on sets all the time. So our studio produces the show, The Masked Singer. Um, we do a show called Next Level Chef. Um, we are finishing up a show called Joe Millionaire right now, which is a big dating show um, that we that we did. And we shot that in Atlanta. Um, I, we also have a new show coming out this Wednesday out next to Masked Singer called Domino Masters. So if you like competition shows, you want to see some crazy builds with dominoes, you can watch that on Wednesday. Um, and then um, we do a show called Ultra Ego, which premiered um, last fall, and it was a singing avatar competition show. And some people may have seen it or not, but it was on Fox. And it's basically people who were afraid to sing in person. They got to choose their own avatars that could perform on stage for them. So it was a really cool kind of futuristic show. Um, and then we have a bunch of stuff in development. So I oversee a lot of our current stuff and then stuff that we have coming through the pipeline for development that's going to eventually turn into a television show. And then I'm also overseeing our social media efforts. So we try to do a lot of influencer marketing. So a lot of your famous like TikTok stars, which is like a whole nother world in itself. We get to uh, we get to try to work with some of those influencers and see if they can help us with promoting our shows and just kind of getting a younger audience and getting more people interested in watching our stuff because that's the new wave, right? Like social media is the new wave, you know? Whether you're watching a clip of a show on social media to get you excited about maybe watching it on TV, we try to do whatever we can to... Um, to do that. So my job is very layered, but it's fun and it's amazing and it's truly a blessing. And it's a dream that I never could have dreamed for myself. And it puts me in a place where I really have opportunity and a lot of doors that anything that I want to do, I can do. So I, I like I said, I'm super blessed. And um, one of the things I will say for anybody listening, like write down your goals, you know, like Ms. D was saying, write down, I'm saying D, right? That's correct? Okay. Like Ms. D was mm -hmm. saying, pen and paper, write your stuff down. Because I'll tell you one thing I did, I wrote, I wrote some goals down that I had and I forgot to actually go look at it. I took like a year. And for some reason I found it when I was looking through something and every single thing that I wrote down, I accomplished without me even like necessarily working towards it, but I was working towards it. So write your stuff down because what I think God allows is for you to see, like you're in the right path. That's your confirmation that you're going in the right direction and you can do it. And the mental thing is a big thing. You have to be mentally strong as best as you can. And another thing is if you can, if you can get one or two people that are interested in the same things that you are, not just your friends, your regular friends that you hang out with, but just some people outside of your circle who have the same sort of interests as you career-wise or whatever, surround yourself with at least one or two good people who can understand you on that level versus just a personal level. And I think I hit 10 minutes. <laughs> love the tips. Love the tips. Now, one last thing before we get into all the questions, Antonia, you've got to let people know who you work with, man. Like some of the celebrities, I know, you know, our young listeners definitely want to hear that. So drop some names, man. Drop some names. You really going to make me name drop? Yeah, <laughs> So I've worked with I've worked with a few. I've, I've worked with um, Shaquille O'Neal. I've worked with Nelly. I've worked with the infamous Snoop Dogg. Um, I've worked with Will I Am. Uh, let's see. I've worked with Will Arnett. Um, Ken Jong is one of our our big hosts that we have on the Mass Singer. A crazy Asian guy. Um, and oh God, who else? Who else? Who else? Uh, I've worked with Terry Crews before. Anthony Anderson. Um, Layla Ali. 
uh, Tracy Morgan. I worked with Tracy Morgan before. Um, God, there's Roxy Diaz. I'm good close friends with Roxy. She used to host 106 in Park for a while with Terrence J. Um, I love Roxy. Wow, Roxy's awesome. She's a sweetheart. Um, I've met, you know, I've met Gabrielle Union. Um, there's a lot. It's kind of been varied depending on the show and depending on the project. But yeah, I've, I've worked with some cool people from all different backgrounds, reality stars as well, um, Tamar. And uh, God, I'm trying to name most of the, the, the Black celebrities that I've worked with. <laughs> Uh, but yeah, I've worked with I've worked with a bunch of people. It's been it's been very fun. Yeah, it's a long long list, man. And <laughs> I didn't even know you did some of the the shows that you know I, I see commercials of, like the Mass Singer. Interesting. Um, yes. All right, so we should have young folks in um, questions. So what you could do, you can go to the reaction section and you can raise your hand, or you can type in a question, um, and we will read your question for you and. You can direct it to, we have Antonia Green still here with us. Uh, we have Renee Walter still here with us. And we have Yamnik Napoleon still here with us. So you can direct it to everybody or you can individualize your question and ask it directly to um, a person. Uh, so feel free to raise your hand or type in the chat. All right, so we have one for Antonia. Um, One second. All right. Is majoring in editing and technology a good idea? Is majoring in editing and technology a good idea? So, uh, yes, it depends on the type of editing you want to go into. Um, technology, I need a little bit more information on what you mean by that. You mean like IT or do you mean like uh, like the digital space, just kind of need a little bit more context on that, my love. Um, but editing, if you want to do it for TV, absolutely. Yes. Movies, television, um, music videos, editors are always in need, right? They're always in need because to be honest with you, like real talk, editors are just as much producers as producers are. So you have producers that are in the field producing talent on camera. They kind of write out the format before you start the show. They write out the outlines of what we're going to like do, or they write out some of the script, right? But then the editor is the one who puts it all. They're like the artist that really brings it together. So whatever you see is a collaborative effort, but there's a lot of talented editors and they're always in need. Um, and they're usually book really good jobs and if you're able to become an editor in like a union um and, and I, don't, I don't know how much you guys know about unions but unions are good um in those type of spaces they definitely help you to uh protect your rights and get you good get you paid well but yes editing is a good job a, a good thing to get into if you can and start start early if you're editing and what's crazy is like now with the different apps that we have like you can you can edit on your phone like everybody's editing something you know so just start even on your phone and then when you get in school if they have if you have opportunity to take classes like that in high school and eventually in college, then do it. Absolutely. The technology part, I just need a little bit more context to tell you if that's a good idea or not. <laughs> Can I chime mm -hmm. in on that yes. question? Mm -hmm. Just a tad. Um, I, I agree with you wholeheartedly, Antonia. And I think one thing you guys have to think about, technology is not going away. 
So it is here. It is here to stay, quite honestly, majoring in anything that is going to be dealing with the computer um, um, math, because that that also feeds into that is going to be beneficial for you going forward. Um, when it comes to editing, you know, you can start with that now. You can start charging people if you have those skills now, because there are so many people even to put together a TikTok video or a YouTube video that needs to be edited. And people will pay you money right now um, to for them to record a YouTube video and you to edit it so that they can post it. I know because I do it. So, so even if you're starting now in high school, you can do it. If I could find high school students to pay, absolutely, I would do that right now. Um, so if you're talking about majoring in it, it's not going away, definitely. Thank you for that. Uh, we have a question for everybody. Uh, so what was your motivation to where you wanted to be? So um, let's start with Renee. We haven't heard Renee yet. So we'll, we'll get everybody in on that. What was your motivation to where you wanted to be? Um, I would say growing up, um, we didn't have much, like I, my father was in prison and it was just my mom and my sisters and my sister's children. And so we didn't really have much. Um, I probably would get one pair of shoes a, a year. And it was just, it was hard living like that. And I always knew I was like, yeah, I got to do something. I want to buy you a big old house. I want to just live. And so that was kind of my motivation being poor. And it just kept me um, like, yeah, I know I got to have, I don't want my children to ever go through this. Uh, my son, I made sure that he, whatever he wanted, which probably was not a good thing thinking about it now, <laughs> but making sure whatever he wanted, any pair of Jordans, like whatever, because I didn't have, but I didn't, I don't, don't go buy Jordans, like, please. Because <laughs> if I could save all the money I had buying Jordans, I could have bought land like 10 years ago. And so um, definitely that's why I said it was a mistake, but definitely just the lifestyle that I had growing up, like we didn't have much. And I just knew that that was not something that I wanted for my children or wanted for my adult life. So everything that I, I did, I just worked hard at it to make sure that, hey, this is not going to happen to me. And um, even with owning your own business and stuff, like it's really hard at times, but just keep your goals. Like, I know that this is what I want to do. I'm going to keep focused, like trials may come but just keep focused like but definitely being poor was my motivation for being successful being an entrepreneur like just making sure I had everything I needed all right uh Antonia uh, okay so my motivation um is definitely my parents right I had um my dad worked three jobs my pretty much my whole childhood growing up and my mother worked full time and one of the things that they always did hey I was very blessed to have supportive parents and in my in my corner and I think that sometimes gets lost is if you can get support from home if you have it like it's so it's so um it's I didn't realize how sometimes rare that can be for a lot of people how like for a lot of people don't always get that so I was super blessed to have that um and then just their work their sacrifice you know like I didn't always get to see my dad all the time but I knew that he was working so that we could have a better life because he grew up in the projects went to prison like had a whole life before me but once he turned his life around he decided that for his family he wanted us to have more than what he did so I didn't grow up on like the materialistic stuff of like name brand stuff my parents were not on that they were like you need education 
and you're going to go to school because we don't work our behinds off for you to, you know, be in position. And they did. And so my motivation, honestly, every day, even, even moving out to LA and making it and just trying to make it is just like, it would be a slap to my parents' face for everything that they in, invested into me, everything they put into me. And um, it would be a slap in their face to say that I can't, or I can't get to where I need to be and I and not try. So I would definitely say um, my mom and dad, especially my mother, I actually lost my mom two years ago, uh, right when I had moved out to LA. And so that was, that took me like, it didn't take me out, but it definitely was hard, you know? And so um, I just remembered her strength and she was a very strong woman. She was a wonderful woman. But I remember like one of the things that I wanted to do as I came in my, got into my career is I wanted to be able to like make enough money where I could eventually buy my mom a house. So she never have to worry about, you know, that kind of thing. And obviously she now has her own heavenly home, but it still keeps me going because it, again, I knew I did a lot of this for her and I still want to make her proud. So that is my continuing motivation. Uh, are my parents and the fact that they invested in me at a young age and always believed in me and saw my gift and pushed me. So they are, they're my, they're my inspiration for sure. Thank you for that, Antonia. And Dee? So I, I would um, say my motivation for the most part has been purpose. Um, Just feeling like whatever purpose God put me here, whatever skills he's given me, I want to um, make sure to use them to bring him glory, to to do whatever I'm designed to do. Um, for the longest, that has been my motivation. Uh, part two to that, my daughter is a big motivation. I wanted to make sure for her that I was the role model, that I set the standard, that it wasn't TV or um, the, the industry or, you know, it, growing up at her age, social media or any of that, that I wanted to make sure that I, you know, I got my degree because she had to get a degree. And so I had to set the standard. I had to show her that it's possible you can do it. And when I got my master's degree, I did that so that she could know you got to keep going. You got to get your master's degree. Um, And I, I built the relationship that I built with her because I wanted to make sure I was her best friend that when she needed advice, she knew where to come to. So she was a big part of my motivation as well. Um, I did come from very, very, very supportive family. Um, and seeing my dad, he had his own business, um, Napoleon Barbershop. It's still there in Louisiana, even though he's gone. Um, the shop is still there. And seeing him go to work regularly, like daily, sun up to sundown or being in that barbershop, um, it was just, you know, to let me know that if I wanted something, I could get it. And if I wanted to do something, there was nothing that could stop me. So um, even when he had he had arthritis and he couldn't do anything for himself, yet he still built a business. He got people in the barbershop. He made sure the business was still running. He created inventions and got them patented all from a wheelchair. Like his tenacity was nonstop. Um, and so that was a big push for me. His support was always there, even when back in the day, you know, when you get pregnant out um, and without being married at a very young age, or at least at 19, that's not always good. But he was always like, you you good. You got this. We're not worried about that. You know, we'll, we'll be good. And so his support was very awesome. My mom's one of my closest friends, having her there. She's like my biggest cheerleader. She really believes I can do anything. Like if you ask her, she'll tell you, 
oh, she can do it. She can do everything. And so all of that support, all of the family members who are just in my corner to, to let me do whatever I feel like doing was so supportive that they became a whole lot of encouragement to motivate me to just live out whatever my purpose is, whatever I felt like God was leading me or where I felt God was leading me. Um, so I think it all works together. It, whether you have the support or you don't have the support, you can build the support, know that God is supporting you if you feel like no other person on earth is. Um, really understanding that he allows me to be me. And, and so he loves me as I am, good, bad, because <laughs> we're human. And so he loves me regardless. That has been a huge motivator for me to keep going and, and to just, you know, whatever it is, like, if I got a skill, let's let's figure out how we can use this, and how how can we help other people? So, yeah, a thank whole hodgepodge that. of stuff. <laughs> yes, yes. Thank you for that, D. All right, we have a question for Antonia. Um, uh, when and how do you start your career with the entertainment industry? And were there any hardships for you for um, in regards to producing? How much time do we have? Um, so. <laughs> Um, when, it, when do you start a career? You, you can start now. Um, again, there's so many avenues right now to doing it. It just depends on like what you want to do. And what's beautiful about entertainment is you can go any avenue. You can go television, you can go movies, you can go into commercials, you can go into music. Um, it's just a big umbrella. It just depends on what you want to do. So I would say, and it's something that I think Ren, uh, Renee touched on was like, you know, not knowing what you want to do right away. And like, that's okay if you don't know right off the bat, like literally it takes a while. Like don't, that's one thing, don't beat yourself up if you don't know exactly what it is you want to do. You might see other people that kind of have those things, you know, locked down. But um, when it comes to entertainment, I, I feel like it takes a minute because with entertainment, well, with, I think with anything in life, but with entertainment, you could do public relations, you can be a manager, you could be someone's agent, like there's just so many different things. So I would say start looking into the stuff that catches your interest now, if you're in your middle school, high school age, start thinking about things that really catch your interest um, on TV, like what are some things that you like, do you like uh, seeing commercials, do you like certain shows, do you like certain movies, and then try to look into those positions, like what a director is. What's a producer? Maybe you like doing stuff on your camera. Maybe you could be a camera operator or you run a whole, you know, run a whole, uh, you want to be an actor. So I would say get an idea, like write some things down on what you're interested in in the entertainment industry and then just try to find people that do it and just kind of look into it a little bit more um, and how to start it, to be honest with you. I would say the hardest thing about in the entertainment industry, especially if you're trying to get on the creative side is getting your foot in the door. But once you're in the door, it's like, it's just like you take off. You, you still have your hardships in between there, but um, you can then navigate, okay, this is what I want to do. Because like I said before, I thought I wanted to do news. And then I had an opportunity to intern and job shadow an executive producer at a news station. And immediately when I was there, I was like, nah, this is not what I want to do. It just was like, this ain't it. Cause I actually went to the, I did the morning news. So it was like the six o'clock one you to be up at like 2 AM and getting ready for all the stories and stuff before the six o'clock news came on. So that was when I knew like, this is not for me. Um, but I will say, let me say this it's on the internship thing. I would say if you can get internships and you can find mentors or you can job shadow somebody. That's a really good way 
to figure out what you want to do. And that comes from going to career days, maybe even like y'all have so much access now to reach out to people on like Instagram. Like I think like when me, Miss Renee and Miss D was like coming, like we didn't have, we kept to go through like websites and emails. Y'all can go to people's social media pages and reach out to them. You know what I mean? Like there's, there's no reason why you can't, if you really want to do something. So reach out to some people, reach out to producers, writers, all those type of things and go in their DMs and see what you get. Because a lot of the times they're more willing to actually help students <laughs> than they are regular adults. <laughs> like they like to be the ones that are kind of helping you and giving you advice for the most part. So just try the avenue. Um, and as far as like hardships go, yes, to all of it, hard. Yup, sure is. Not easy. A lot of rejection. A lot of nights where I have cried and I'm just like, God, what is life? Like, am I really supposed to be doing this? And um, something that Ms. D touched on, like, that is like when you, your purpose, knowing that you have a purpose and that God designed you to do something that only you can do. No one else can do it. There might be people that have better skills in certain areas, but there's something specific that you have been called to do that nobody else has the DNA to do. So if you keep that in your mind, you also will keep going. So I've had, I've had hardships where I've went out for jobs that I really thought I should have gotten and I didn't get because either the person knew somebody that was, you know, more qualified or they just have worked with them before they work with me. So it's like, I'm not gonna take a chance on somebody that I don't know. I'd rather go with people that I know works. Um, I have been, you know, creatively, I have had, you know, things that I wanted to do. And one of the things that reasons I left my old production company was because I was seeing that I had reached a certain point in my career at that production company and I'm like I don't think I'm really going to move up anymore like I need a, a way out and that's when God gave me the opportunity to come to LA and that's when things took off but that was a hardship for me because like leaving something I knew leaving my family um and then trying to navigate in a world like LA which is a as a as a beast you know New York's a beast LA is a beast both places are cities major cities are beasts so uh that was a hardship and then just you know being told no or just not being listened to sometimes or um, just working long hours. I will say this, if you are interested in production in movies, there are long hours. A lot of people think like this life is glamorous. It has its beautiful moments, but it's not glamorous. And it's, it's uh, sometimes it can be a little bit of a facade in the sense of like, it just looks like red carpets and cameras and you're going to the beach and you're it's long hours. I have had days where I have worked from sun up 18 hours for a shoot. Like it just depends on the show. Not saying that's all the time, but there's long hours. So yes, I have endured some hardships, but um, as long as you keep your motivation and you keep praying and you keep pushing, you'll, you will continue to go where you need to go. Thank you for that, Antonia. Thank you for that. Um, we have Professor Robinson with a question. Oh, hello, everyone. Uh, the question I have for you guys is, is what, how did you guys navigate uh, the ism, the racism and the sexism in your, in your uh, specific careers? And because you seem to be doing really well, despite. Mm -hmm. Great question. So we'll start that out with Renee. Um, <clears throat> being a woman in land development, that, that's a male dominated field already. And so you really have to know uh, a lot of things. You have to know, like what pretty much everything mean when it comes to developing and building houses and things like that. Because a lot of people don't take you serious. I know I, when we went into a meeting with the Wilkinson County Development Authority, the guy, um, I guess the the county commissioner, 
he asked our developer, it was myself, um, myself and Ashley, my best friend, we were there and uh, our CEO, Laura, all three women. And so instead of talking to us, they talked directly to our developer, which is a male and asking him like, oh, what's your what's your vision for freedom? And it's like, how can he give you a vision for freedom? And we hired him. Like we had to tell him our vision for us to hire him. And it's just like, um, being in a woman in this field, you really have to just um, be tough and you have to stand up for yourself because men will try to talk over you or make you feel like you don't know what you're talking about or because they're a male in, in such this dominated field that they just know everything. And you really have to like pray for one, like, Lord, help me get through this day to go deal, walk in this office with these men or get on this Zoom where it's only three women and like 60 different men you're talking to and you got to go in there and have your voice being heard. And so um, I definitely deal with it through prayer, knowing that this is just how this world is. So I already have, like, I already know what to expect because unfortunately, this is just how things are. So I don't just worry about the negative. I just keep pushing forward, keep producing. So they know like, hey, I do got to take these ladies serious. Like long as you're doing the work, the work will show for itself, whether you're a man, woman, boy, or girl, you just have to do the work and just let it show for yourself. Far as racism go, um, we deal with that every single day, especially when we're talking about how we want to build a safe haven for black people. We have all types of people threatening us. Um, people just telling us every day that we're going to fail. Again, we don't look to those things. And I get up every day and I look in the mirror and I say, I know who I am, you know, and I just say my affirmations. Affirmations help a lot. When you're in business for yourself and when you're dealing with all types of people, you have to have a certain confidence about yourself, a certain, I know how, I know I can do this. I, so affirmations, like that's what Ashley and I do every morning because that's what helps us conquer our day. We know it's going to be filled with a lot of, either we're going to get a bunch of no's from these men, or we're going to get just something like some a racist article or somebody made a video or a YouTube about us, like just something. So you have to be very headstrong in this field and you just have to have God. Like that's first and foremost, because that just keeps you grounded. Just a sense of security within yourself, knowing who you are. Because a lot of times, a lot of these things can bring you down and bring down your self-esteem, but you just got to know who you are as a person and not let it get to you. Mm-hmm. I appreciate that. Uh, D. So a lot of the isms that I faced, when I was facing them, I didn't realize they were isms. I just, it's like, this is something else that's happening, happening that I have to get over. Um, I, I've dealt with, you know, not not people not listening to me because of age, right? They think I'm too young. When I first started building my career, um, I actually started out in customer service and um, got promoted. And then I went to another company and was doing more of um, support administrative executive role. Um, And and the individuals at the company kind of looked down on me because I was younger. I was 21, 22, you know, and... um, so they didn't really take me seriously and I quit. It's I didn't quit because I, you know, felt like I couldn't handle it. I quit because I didn't deserve it. And so I refused to allow them to treat me that way. And I made sure they knew it on my way out the door. Um, so that was, I think, probably my first instance with it from, I grew up in Louisiana, 
if you don't know the history of Louisiana, racism is thread throughout. I was the only black girl on an all white drill team, um, but I, I didn't have any issues with that. So I didn't really see racism as far as I understood it um, or as, as much as it is prominent today. I do see that it was there though, not in Louisiana, but after going to Texas, um, working with um, all white male executive team and having somebody tell me, well, you know, you just can't be a manager. You can't be a, a director um, because you don't have the skill set, even though my skill set was more than theirs or better than theirs. And I just proved them wrong. Um, and so I became a director anyway. <laughs> like you don't you don't get to tell me I can't just because you feel like I can't. Um, and so and one thing I will say about accounting is as I've grown up and, and gotten into management and leadership, um, the battles, the isms that I see are more so me fighting for my black men um, because there aren't very many black men in accounting period. Actually, there aren't many black people in accounting and that the, the percentage is like 1%. Um, so the, the, and that's 1% to get a male in that, it's like, <laughs> it's, it's not easy at all. So it's a great opportunity, it's a great field um, for us to be in, but I can look around the room in a leadership meeting and see that there are no black men. And so when, I, when we did get a black male director um, at an organization that I was at, I made sure, you know, when we, we worked together very closely, and I could see how they would treat him. And that bothered me. And so uh, I, I dealt with that um, by making sure to put him front forward. Like, you know, when we're giving a joint presentation, making sure you're, you're giving the talk, you're answering the questions. I wanna make sure when you walk in, you have just as much presence as me. If you don't know it, depending on where you are, quite honestly, people fear black men more than they fear black women. And so they will listen to me talk more than listen to, to him talk. And so then I would just let me step back because I wanna make sure they know, you know you're here as well. Um, and so I've dealt with it that way. And then I've dealt with it with individuals trying to, or companies at least, trying to kind of stop my growth um, as a leader, as an executive, even though there was one, one company I worked for where I worked with a team of directors. And at that time I was an associate director, so I was a level down, but the, the um, controller, the individual over everything wanted me to work with the directors, but not give me the pay or the title. And I had to fight for that. And I, I literally told her like, there's no way you can require me to do the job in these meetings with these directors, but you don't wanna pay me the money or give me the title. So talk to HR and let me know what they say about what you're trying to do. And then we can have another discussion. And she came back and she was forced to give me the raise and the promotion because of the job that was happening. And so I think that in order to deal with it, I, I'm not saying that it didn't exist. Racism definitely, definitely exists. They just try to be a little bit more subtle with it now. I fought it so far based on fact, um, not from emotion because people don't really hear emotion, but it was more so from, this is what you can do. This is what you cannot do. This is what I will allow. And, 
and, and confidence, right? I feel like God had me here. God has me here for wherever position I was in and wherever growth I was going. And so if he wants to make sure I'm elevated, it doesn't matter what anybody else says in the room. I'm going to be where I need to be. I'm going to get where I need to get. And that is that. And it's been proven over time that that's exactly where I am. So um, now, I'm, I mean, I'm at a university where the there are white men, there are white women, but if you ask them a question, the first thing they will say is, can you talk to D? Um, and, and they will listen because I've made it a stance where I know what I'm talking about. I, I have the history to prove I know what I'm talking about. I'm going to make sure the job gets taken care of. And so they, they'll trust me now. But I mean, it is, it is a challenge and we do have to, to get through it. Yeah, thank you for that, D. Uh, Antonia? That was awesome. That was awesome, D. Yeah. Um, pretty much everything she said. Uh, you know, I grew up similar to D. Like I grew up in a predominantly white uh, school neighborhood. We were the only black family in our neighborhood for the 20 something years that I lived there. Um, but I would say more racial stuff I felt happened to me when I was a kid and I didn't really understand or realize it. Again, my parents were very much those type of people where it was like, even if it is there, you're you still are you you're black and you're beautiful and they they gave me those gave me those affirmations but they also were big on pushing like uh you know the content of your character that's really what it comes down to who you are and making sure that you're doing what you're supposed to do sometimes you can't be worried about what everyone else thinks or how they're going to treat you you address it in the moment when it needs to be addressed but not everything is your fight and your battle all you need to do is prove prove what you know and just prove yourself, you know, and staying to that place. So more, I think more racial things I felt was more when I was a little bit younger, but it, it wasn't anything too detrimental to where I never thought like I couldn't do anything. And, and I never really tell people this, but I, in my high school, I, you know, I was, I was a homecoming queen. So I was the first black homecoming queen of my high school. So for me, that just proved like, again, if you, your content of your character transcends your skin color, like we are black and we are amazing and we are, we come from, you know, a royal, royal bloodline and that kind of thing. And so it's like, you will face adversity in those areas, but that's okay. Just, you have to just know your purpose and who you are and you will transcend past skin color. You will do bigger things than you could imagine for yourself. Um, but I think more things that I've dealt with in my career have been the more women versus man dynamic, right? Because you do have a lot more men who are in um, executive roles a lot of time. Yes, particularly white men, for sure. Um, and that also comes from, I think there's a big, there's a big part of that, right? So in TV, it's really a lot of who you know and who you've worked with. So everybody just kind of uses their same friends and, you know, or they've trained up people and they've kind of kept them in the same circles because it's comfortable and you have to make a quick decision when you're staffing a show, you just go to people that you know, right? But while I will say it's the, the landscape has changed in television as far as like the women dynamic and companies now are making huge efforts to make sure they're getting those voices. Like this time right now is when everybody wants women, they want black people, they want Asian people, they want all types of voices because now it's like, yes, we're reflecting what the world looks like and these opinions matter. So I've more so had to fight the man woman thing as far as like being the only female producer, sometimes the only female black producer on a set and just making sure my voice voice is heard. And a lot of times, sometimes, believe it or not, 
you're not always going to be the leader in that group. Sometimes God is just calling you to actually just serve and do your little role. And I had to learn that quickly because I was getting very frustrated with a certain job where I, I was the only woman, the only black woman. And I felt like I just try not to look at it as like my white counterparts were doing things purposely and they weren't, they just were doing their job and they needed to do their job and get it done. And I had a job and I realized, I said, okay, God, maybe I'm not supposed to be the big voice in the room right now. And I remember one of them told me, he said to me, you know, you'll, he said to me as a man, you'll never make over $400,000 in the career that we're in. Like you're never going to make that. Well, then fast forward a year later, I'm technically his boss now. So again, you don't know how life is going to go and how things can switch up quickly. You do what you're supposed to do. And when you're, when it's time for you to be the leader and the voice and the head from going from producer to an executive now, like, yeah, he's, he's somebody that I would have to hire him for jobs now. He would have to listen to me. So it's like, you just never know how the script is going to be flipped. So you do what you're supposed to do, address things if you need to address them and understand that you're not always going to need to be the voice right then and there, but at some point you will be, so. Mm, powerful, 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 powerful. Man, I'm going to make my daughter listen to this like 50 times, man. This is great. <laughs> um, all right, we have a question again for everybody. Uh, what do you think has been your biggest success factor? So we'll we'll address that with everybody. Starting again with Renee, what has been your your biggest success factor? Uh, can someone else go real quick? I'm just trying to get my daughter her medication. I'm so sorry. Got you, got you, got you. D D D D. Biggest success factor. Um, biggest success factor. Ugh. It's hard to say the biggest, but I will say not giving up. Um, no matter what, no matter what I think has come to try to, you know, come against come against me or what I had to face or deal with or hurdle I had to, to jump over um, to just not give up uh, with focus, right, and discipline and all of those nice words. But quite honestly, sometimes I wanted to give up. So sometimes I took a break. <laughs> but um, taking a break and quitting are two different things. And so um just realizing like you know this is what i want and and despite what i'm looking at or what i'm i'm having to deal with um i'm going to keep going i'm going to keep fighting i'm going to keep trying until i get it and so i think that may be the the biggest um i have several different things that lead to success but that may be the biggest got you got you uh antonia um, I'll say prayer, lots of it, continuous communication in those areas, um, and, uh, prayer and definitely knowing and understanding you're not alone. So it's like, you will go through some, you know, struggles in your career in life, but if you can understand that you're not the only person that has dealt with that thing or is going through it. And you just find that coworker or that person in life who just understands those feelings. That is a huge thing, I think, to being successful is being willing and putting down your pride and talking to somebody if you can't figure things out or you just feel like giving up. Sometimes you just need your time to yourself. Um, but there are it's nice when you have someone that you know you can bounce things off of and they can kind of help you um, understand that you're not crazy and that you're valid in feeling that way. Um, so yeah, prayer and just having support is a huge, huge um, success factor for me. Those two things. 
And I was just everything they said. And I would just add that um, being okay with knowing everything is not always going to be okay. Because sometimes we get into a mode where we think everything has to be perfect. Everything, and if we just mess, and if we mess up one thing, and everything could just happen, you have to be okay with knowing that everything is not always going to be okay. Everything is not always going to run smoothly, and just know not to panic and pick up the pieces. That no matter what you're going through, everything is still going to be okay. Um, for one, because you're breathing, and just like Antonia said, knowing that you have support, like a support system is very, very, very important, especially, I guess, when you get older. Um, I know I kind of lean to my friends a lot for support with different things, um, especially being a special needs mother. Um, I I have to lead, lean to my friends, family for support. So just definitely having a support system, knowing how to pick up the pieces when things do fall apart without just losing yourself and losing your mind. And just being okay, knowing that, okay, it's not okay today, but I know tomorrow is a new day and it's a new, brand new day for me to start over and get things right. And even if I don't, it's still okay. Appreciate that, ladies. Appreciate that. Great One advice. thing, Mr. G. Yes, can yes. I just, I, one thing that, that, that comes to mind with this question is knowing when to turn off social media and, mm. and, and when to focus on what you need to focus on. Because looking at the internet all the time, looking at what everybody else is doing, what seems like is awesome over there, um, can really mess you up and really think you're not making progress because everybody else is. Sometimes you have to turn that off and get focused on what you're focused on and not worry about what everybody else is doing. Your journey is yours. And, and if it's not going to be an encouragement for you, if it's not benefiting you or helping you, take the, the courage to turn it off and set your plan. Like that, that has definitely helped me a lot. Big fact that big is that's huge. huge because you little do you know those people, those influencers, when they finish encouraging you and when they turn off them phones, they go shedding tears. It's not all peaches and cream, how they make it seem. And that's why mm -hmm. I said I want you to get in the habit of knowing that things are not always going to be okay. Because when you look on social media, everybody paints this big picture of oh, I got this, I got that. But it takes a lot to get there. But they're not mm -hmm. showing the bad, they're not showing. The, the tears, the heartache, the nose, the slam, the door slamming, the I'm not buying your product. They're not showing any of that. And those things happen. And so you get in thinking that, oh, I'm doing the same thing they're doing, but what am I doing wrong? They're not showing you everything. That's what you're doing wrong because you're watching everything they're doing. Like uh, Ms. D said, turn off the internet because a lot of times that stuff is not real. Uh, most, most of the time, I say, yeah, most of the time it's not. And one of the things is, is, is that comparison game, right? Comparison is the killer to creativity. It can kill your creativity. You're constantly comparing yourself to everybody else. You are not everybody else. You are who God, God said you were fearfully, wonderfully made. And there's a reason he said that. Literally, he put things together for you. So all of that, turn it all off. Stop, you know, comparing yourself to others' journeys because your journey is different and it's supposed to be that way. So yes, that was good. Mm -hmm. You for that ladies thank you for that um definitely turning off that social media man get a lot done all right um this is for the business folks uh d and uh d and renee so what is the hardest part of having a business so we'll start with the hardest part of having a business um oh 
trying to get everything done. Um, quite honestly, for like, I'm a jack of all trades. So I think probably the hardest part for me is getting other people that I trust, like hiring people, finding organizations and companies to do things um, to actually get it done. And, and so with that, I will say it's not doing everything myself. When, when it comes to business, you are going to work. You're, you're going to work tirelessly. You're going to work from sun up to sundown seven days a week. It's okay. That's why you do. Hopefully you do a business you enjoy. So it doesn't really feel like work. You actually enjoy doing it um, or at least do it with people you enjoy. So, so it doesn't feel like so much work, but, but having your own business is not easy. It is a lot of work, but it's worth it. Um, and so the biggest thing for me is not trying to do everything myself. It's actually outsourcing and, and finding people and companies that I trust to, to do the work so that I can focus on growing the business. It's not money, quite honestly, for me, because money is going to come. Money is there. And, and so it's enough money out here in this world to be made. We can, we can figure all of that out, really. It's, it's not, not for me for money. Um, it's, it's resources human resources I think the hardest part for me was uh realizing that my family and friends aren't gonna always support your business like they aren't gonna be your customer I really had to I used to feel slighted I I do a lot of different businesses and I would feel some type of way when I would see friends go to somebody else or hyping up somebody else's business and I had to realize that my uh, customer isn't going to be always my friends and family. Strangers will support you before your own family. And it's sad to say, and I just had to learn that. And also everything Miss um, D said with just, if it was another me, I could run a few businesses. But just being by yourself, knowing that nobody's not going to, well, I have to get out of my mind that nobody's not going to do it like me, that I have to put, like, this is what I'm learning, to put my trust into people and let them do it. And then like, if it's fine, it's fine. If not, then I just have to do it. But I do want to like, stop saying like, oh, nobody can't do it. Like, cause then it's always going to be that way. It's power in the tongue. So I want to give people the chance, but I, I definitely have to get over the fact that it's not enough of me's around to get the stuff, to get the work done. It's not enough time to accomplish like every single thing you want to accomplish. But again, I just have to put my trust and faith in other companies and, and outsource different things because that's only going to make me more successful. And I definitely have to know that um, I can't worry about what friends and family not doing for me. I just got to keep striving and um, pushing my business because again, support strangers will be your biggest, biggest, biggest supporters. One thing I will say about business too, and especially in the Black community, we don't partner enough with each other. Um, white people will tap Everybody they know when they start a business to invest, to, to share resources, to figure out, hey, you know how to do this. I need that. And, and they do it well. For some reason, we have not honed that skill. And so we try to do everything ourselves. It's like we want the win and, and we want to say we did it. We can do it together. Um, and so partnership is very important, but we don't do enough of it. Um, I hear it a lot when I'm helping people start businesses. I can I can hear one business idea from four different people who all know each other. And my first thought is, did you talk to, well, you know, I was really trying. And it's like, I'm sorry, like, why aren't we getting together to, to start these businesses? So that's one thing to keep in mind. If you are 
thinking about entrepreneurship, owning something of your own. Um, I, you know, you got to be iffy when you're talking about with family members and relatives. But if you are finding business minded people, um, partnership is good. And and we need to build together so that we can create businesses, even if we want to break those off later and start helping other people create businesses like we we need to partner together to get this thing done for our community, for sure. Thanks. Agreed, 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 agreed and agreed. All right. Um, I think we hit all the questions in the queue. So uh, if anybody um, has any. Go ahead, Mr. G, you. I did see one question mm -hmm. about accounting. Somebody asked if was there anything you wish you knew before starting in accounting? Um, you on top of it, man. <laughs> <laughs> well, sorry, I just saw it. But I would say I wish I knew there's so many different types of accounting. It's a business that's never going to go out of style because every business needs numbers. Like you have to have them to get more money, to get money, to figure out how your business is doing. So accounting is never going away. Um, you will always need a numbers person. I wish I would have known that there were different types um, and known what they are so that I, even though I enjoy the, the field of accounting that I'm in, because quite honestly, I'm in leadership now, so I get to do a lot of different things when it comes to it. Um, but you could, you could be a CPA. You don't always have to be. Um, this depends on what it is you want to do. You, you could be a government accountant, a government accountant. You could be a nonprofit accountant. Um, you can do the general ledger. You can do um, financial statements. You can do audit. There's so many different areas that you can go into with accounting. Um, and because it's a business degree, you can also branch off and do different things. It leads to marketing. It leads to financing and investing. So starting out, I, I didn't know that. And, and it took me a while to figure that out. I think that would be, would have been one thing I would have wanted to know, um, from the beginning. Thank you for that, D. Uh, I I think now we hit off on all the questions. Um, if you had any last questions before we wrap up, now is the time to ask. If not, we will start wrapping up. If anyone had any last questions. All right, I think everybody is satisfied, man. Um, amazing, amazing, amazing program. And thank you, ladies, so much for just coming through, giving up your time. Some of y'all got y'all kids in the background holding it down, mommy duty, and holding it down for us. So we definitely appreciate that. Um, so before we leave off, can you guys leave us with um, some last words? And then uh, where people that want to find you can find you, whether it's IG or email, or wherever else that they can find you if they want to, you know, to get more questions answered, or you know, maybe they need some advice on on your profession and the work that you guys are doing. So. Uh, let's start with uh, Renee. I would just say, I think uh, one of the ladies spoke on it earlier about writing everything down. I would say write the vision and make it plain. Like just write down all you want to be, uh, all you want to do, ideas and thoughts that you may have, different businesses that you think you can, you can start. Just write them down. Write everything down um, and, and start working on a plan to make those things come into fruition. And you can do anything that you put your mind to and um, focus. And it's okay if you don't know what you want to do right now. Um, you'll get there. Don't beat yourself up. You'll get there. But focus. Definitely focus. 
And if you want to reach out, you can find me on Instagram at frontpagenay. It's my Instagram handle. And I'm on Twitter as naynick25. Thank you for that. Definitely reach out, guys. Um, and uh, Antonia? Um, last words. Yeah, just um, continue to enjoy your lives as, you know, say kids, but as young people. You know, don't try to grow up too fast. That's one of the things I could say. Like, I couldn't wait till I turned 18. Like, I can't wait till I get 21. And then you get there and you're like, oh my God, I'm a whole adult. Why did I try to grow up so fast? And then you start paying bills. And then it just really just kind of just, you just got to find reasons to love and keep growing, right? You have to keep finding reasons to like being an adult. So I will say, enjoy your youth while you can. Continue to be, the, you know, continue to be creative. Um, and sometimes not everything, I think one of the biggest things I learned too is like, you don't got to share everything with everybody. Sometimes some things are good to just be kept to yourself between you and God and maybe one other person that you trust with your vision, right? So as you, miss, you know, Renee, Renee was saying, write the vision, make it plain. Sometimes keep that vision to yourself, depending on what it is, and just make sure that you can trust people to share your ideas with, because, you know, there are people that do try to take your ideas and run with them and those kind of things, but you'll, you'll, you learn that as you go, but um, I think it's don't try to grow up too fast, enjoy your youth. Um, I've learned, I used to tell people, go to college, go to college. If you can go to college, great. Wonderful. It's a wonderful experience to do it. It's great to, it's a social part of it too. That is amazing that you won't find really anywhere else. Like it's a whole different experience. So if you have the opportunity to go, I always encourage that. Um, so you can meet different people that are either in your field or not in your field. And you usually end up keeping those same relationships um, after college. Um, and then I guess my last thing is put God first. Like it sounds cliche y'all, but we mean it. You, you have to, because the dreams and the visions and the things that you have in your head are not there by accident. Like it's not by, you know, it just didn't happen. It's because it's just giving you a little piece of what you're supposed to do. So continue to put him before everything as, as much as you can and you can remember um, and don't let anyone steal what your, your vision or what your creativity is. I guess that's really, yeah, that's it. And then you can find me, my email address is Antonia, and that's A-N-T-O-N-I-A-M as in Monique Green at gmail.com. So that's Antonia M Green at gmail.com. Um, any career questions or just want to know more about te television, please hit me up. And then um, you can find me on Instagram at Antonia Monique underscore. Thank you, Antonia. Uh, we got that connection now. Uh, D. Yay. I can say ditto to everything these ladies just said. <laughs> just said. Um, definitely, definitely keep God first. Put God first. Um, I don't think we can stress it enough. It, it, he, he's the one who, who gets you through the hard times when nobody else is watching, um, who knows you on the inside, um, the things that you can't, you know, fake. So, um, when I'm, when we're talking about God, it, it's not the superficial God, or don't be afraid to like, you know, it, it, he's, he's going to come down on you with vengeance and all of this kind of stuff. Don't, don't think of it like that, but really think about the relationship you have with your parents. And as you're getting older, you're transitioning that parental relationship to a God relationship. Um, and, and that'll get you through the tough times, regardless of where they're from. So definitely, definitely keep God first. Um, I don't quit. 
you know, life is life and, and it's going to happen. And there are going to be good days. There are going to be not so good days. Um, people will be in your corner and then people will leave your corner. So just know that it is what it is, but you have a purpose. <clears throat> Excuse me. And with that purpose, you can't let life stop you. Um, so as long as you can go, you can go. Um, I have a, a quote that I put in one of my planners that says, as long as there's time, there's time. Um, keep going, get it done, don't quit. Um, uh, another thing that I, I enjoy is laugh at yourself. Like, don't take yourself so serious, right? We, we're talking about business and we're talking about, you know, running companies and things we're doing, but I promise you, I laugh every day. I laugh at just about everything. And probably the most I laugh at is myself because I'm a little crazy sometimes. Um, so don't, don't take yourself too seriously. I think people will gravitate to that. They, um, people enjoy being around people who enjoy life and enjoy themselves. So when you're thinking about what you want to do, um, the, the footprint you want to leave on this earth, think about something you actually enjoy doing so that you can do that and laugh. Um, and so that you, you don't always take yourself so seriously. Um, and then I think the last thing and one of my, my quotes for goal setting and for life coaching and everything is if you don't plan to succeed, you plan to fail. So write it down, make the plan. Um, and, and the plan may not always go the way you expect it to, or even the way you list it out. That's okay. At least you have a plan. You can adjust when you need to adjust. But I can remember um, when I was in high school, listening out all the things I wanted to do at, as when I got older, not even knowing that I would really do these things, but I do remember that list and it was writing and being a writer and a model and, a, and um, doing numbers and being a great mom and, and majority of that list I've done so far, I still have some things to knock off, which is great because I still got time as far as I can tell. So, um, but just, you know, having an idea of this is what I know so far. And if that needs to adjust, then that's okay. I'll adjust it along the way, but I'm going to start somewhere. And, and knowing that you're starting intentional um, will definitely put you ahead of the game because there are, there are a lot of people who, who really even either they don't have access to a call like this or they aren't on a call like this. And, and you know, they're playing around with TikTok trying to figure out how can I be the next sensation. But if you actually have a plan and you're trying to do something, even if TikTok is a part of that, it's a part of that. That may not be the only thing you have. So um, plan your work, work your plan and your plan will work. Fire, fire, well, put fire that on a t-shirt, please. You better, you better trademark that, D. When I do, I will make sure you get one. It's on here. And I will wear it on set. Thank you. I will make sure you get one. Um, I can be found at It's Miss D um, on Instagram. And so I'll put it here. Actually, I can be found on It's Miss D anywhere. Um, it's I-T-S-M-S period D-E. Um, Instagram, Facebook. I don't tweet. I don't tweet much, but um, and I'll put my website on here for you guys as well. Awesome, awesome, awesome. Um, I do think things happen for a reason. So all of you ladies that came through and um, you know, spoke your truth today, you could share information with each other and reconnect because um, you know, I think y'all y'all was put here and y'all all seem to just vibe like it just fit perfect today. 
So I definitely appreciate uh, you all coming through and just spreading uh, the message, man, that, you know, these kids can be anything that they want to be and they can be in your profession, in your careers, regardless of what the stats say, what the numbers say, or the 1%, 2%, or whatever it is. Um, I think, you know, anything is possible as long as we put our minds to it. So thank you for reaffirming that message, everybody that came through today. Um, thank you for being a part of our first official career day. Um, so you guys are making history, mastermind history right now. Um, and also representing, obviously, for Women's History Month. So we appreciate that. Uh, for listeners, definitely share the program with some young folks. If you know some young folks that need the motivation, the inspiration, and the encouragement, share it with them. And to let them know, like, there's Black women out here doing it. Um, and if you want more information from these ladies, they have all been on the Mastermind program. So uh, Carly Harper, our first one, was from season one, episode one. Antonia Green um, was episode 22, season one. Renee and Ashley were episode 22, season two. And Dee was episode 17, season two. So you could definitely check them out. Um, you can check us out on uh, mastermind.podpage.io if you want to check out our episodes. Uh, or we are on Spotify and all other uh, podcast networks. So thank you guys for spending some time with us. Uh, the young folks that came in, y'all stayed for two hours. Like that yeah, is, man, that's appreciate awesome. y'all. Thank you. <laughs> Definitely appreciate y'all. And thank um, you, Mr. G, for doing this. And your platform, and you're using it. You're using it for good. So we appreciate you. Thank you for putting this together. Likewise, likewise, man. You know, they say once Black folks make it to the top, they don't want to help, help anybody else come up. And I think that is not true at all. I think Mastermind is an example of that. So just thank you, ladies, for just representing that. You know, you guys have a lot of recognition and, um, you know, you're doing amazing work. So you could have been like, man, I don't want to do nothing for little old Mastermind. Like, y'all, y'all better go somewhere with that. But you are definitely, you know, encouraging the future youth. Um, so we do appreciate that. And um, just thank you for coming on. And uh, thank you, all the young folks, for coming through. Uh, appreciate you guys being here. Uh, everybody here is accessible. So use the information. Hit them up on Instagram. Email them, whatever else. Um, if you can't find them, we'll find them for you. So email us. Hit us up. And we'll make sure they get, they get to you. Um, they are all accessible. And they are all here trying to help you grow and develop. So um, now you have some resources to help you along your journey, along your path. And um, of course, remembering to keep in mind that your mind is the most powerful tool in the universe. Therefore, if you can think it, you can do it. If you believe in it, you can be it. And if you fight for it, you can have it. The world is yours. This is your host, Mr. G, and I will see you next time on Mastermind.